0: four three two one level up 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 hi this is Todd Barr.
1: hey this is Silas Toms
0: this is the mappiest hour season two after what a 19 month hiatus <laughs> <laughs> was it season number <laughs> season twoiest
1: season 2.5 yeah <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, both of us have endured a lot of changes over the over the hiatus. I say endured because a large part of that was 2020, and everybody knows we had to endure that, and not really
1: live it, right? But yeah. Well, how do we really tell the story of this year without COVID, obviously? But I think it's worth noting that both of us were going through change even in late 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, both, you know, different. Work, different places to live, that kind of thing. So, uh, it was going to be a hectic year this year, no matter what. And I think, uh, I was glad for a chance to be heads down and, uh, really focused on some incredible work that I've been doing. But (laughs) it, it doesn't hurt. Or, uh, the, the craziest part about that is that, like, you know all of this in the face of a global pandemic where there was really a nothing else to do but work and b work somehow became you know soulless away from all of this craziness out there right so yeah yeah geo became like exciting and uh um reinvigorating in a way that it hadn't because it was the focal point <laughs> of what I could control.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's, it's... We kept you up in the morning, right? And putting on clothes.
1: I mean, in theory, <laughs> clothes is very loose these days.
0: True. <laughs> she's been off for school for two weeks, and she's worn nothing but her Captain Marvel robe.
1: That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, lots of pajamas. Um, mm-hmm. Comfort has been very big. And I, I think we'll get into it, but the focus on comfort and mental health throughout our society overall i'd say has been a good thing you know like there's been a lot more discussions this covid thing has forced a lot of things to happen but yeah it's accelerated yeah it sure has it's it's changed it's yeah. changed so much it's it's bared open so many things um what an interesting year so yeah season 2 mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, still in the middle, but yeah, still being in the middle of the crisis and looking down the third of another three months of it, possibly being the worst healthcare emergency we've ever had.
1: Well, let's start with the beginning. Where were you, you know, a year ago? Uh,
0: (laughs) So I had just moved to Boston or Haverhill, Massachusetts. I don't live in Boston proper, and my daughter just moved back in with me after spending six lousy weeks with her mom, and um, we got everything situated. And then two weeks later, we were shut down. Yeah, she just started a new school, and then suddenly she's at home on a, on, a, on a on a Chromebook, wow. right? You know, and I've been I've been my, at the new job that I have for like maybe three months, and the culture there is, you know, it's a large firm, so the culture is completely different. There's a lot of silos and all sorts of
1: stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah three, I understand. and
0: three months in, yeah, I'm hanging out at home, and oh, no wow. one at my office were really. Remote, they never really been remote first. So there was this whole learning curve for an organization of, you know, at scale like 10,000 people of how can we communicate with each other.
1: So, did they have the tools available? Like, was there a whole lot of having to buy a bunch of new software or were they always ready to do remote? They just never really appreciated that it could be a such a big part of work?
0: They were heavy. Well, we were heavy Skype users. Uh-huh. And when this hit, we were in the, in the process of migrating to Teams. So that rapidly accelerated that because you can't really, you know, you can't have 20 people in a group chat in and, and Team, in and, uh, Skype, right? And we're still very email centric, but we've, over the past nine months, we've moved to be more Salesforce and, um, and Team centric. Got it. Less for communications, yeah. right? And we're trying to get off the email, although it's hard because a lot of people, you know, they've lived or died by email for twenty what years. What about Slack? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd kill for Slack. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just for the gifts.
1: <laughs> no gifts allowed on Teams, huh?
0: No, no, there's, there's gifts, but it's all very, it's all very corporate.
1: Well, sure. Right. Sure, I get, yeah. I get it, I get
0: it. I don't, I don't know if they said the, yeah. the PG-13 rating or not. But... <laughs> That's funny. Which is fine, that way no, we get in trouble. Mm-hmm. But,
1: And I'm sure you can maintain over a 13-year-old uh, level at work, right, Todd?
0: <laughs> Generally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> most, most of the time.
1: Uh, um, I don't want to put too many constraints on you. <laughs> this is America, yeah, man. Th-
0: That was a that was, that was a key thing though, is like you know i'm working with my team my, my team of devs and my team of product product owners and we're all kind of fast and loose about it right but there's these the other silos like the sales silo and our consulting group are very you know they've been doing it this way for 20 years and they had to evolve yeah. to this. and they're and they're there now yeah. right yeah. and like like, the first couple of months is really difficult because I'm, like, I'm doing everything in Teams. It becomes a place where I keep all my documents. Yeah. It becomes a place I keep everything. And I'm, like, look here for this. Look here for that. I'm using I'm using Teams as my platform. And everybody else is still, like, yo, where is it on the shared drive? Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> so I was, like, uh, it's not on the shared drive. But, yeah, but, they you know, people... that they, they, evolved, We evolved pretty rapidly, though. And we got our... Our 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 key software release every year, the being a hurricane season touchstone, was only late by two weeks, Mm -hmm. which, considering how many people work on that and the amount of problems we and the amount of communication issues that we kind of developed.
1: Well, backing up, backing up, um, do have you explained fully what your uh, new role is? I don't know if the audience knows exactly.
0: I think I think we did it one of the in one of the um, Zoom things we get did at the beginning of this. But no, so I I am now the director of geospatial products and solutions for a catastrophe modeling firm in the insurance industry.
1: Well, that's so cool. I mean, um, it's an interesting, I, I would say traditional, but not traditionally thought of as a traditional field of GIS. But insurance obviously focuses on geography quite a bit. So I think there's always been a strong support for geospatial tech from the insurance industry. Um, but it, it, it's still <clears throat> a fascinating and, you know, somewhat different field from, say, environmental policy. So what have you found that's unique about what you're doing now versus your last uh, gig, which was more, I think, oil and gas focused?
0: Yeah, I was a CTO at a startup yeah. in the oil and gas space. Um, there's a lot. I, I can't be as as cowboy as I could there. Right. Because at, at the startup, it's like you have a credit card, will travel. Yeah. Right. Here, here, it's like, I, I don't have a corporate card. No one does. And um, everything has to go through six levels of process. Yeah. And I've kind of yeah. had to reframe. I kind of had to reframe how I look at things because mm-hmm. I'm used to just like ha- coming up with the concept, putting together a white paper and running with it. And here I have to build a strategic landing pad for it amongst the st- various stakeholders in the organization. Yeah. And then getting sales and, and, and um, licensing to understand what I'm trying to do. Right. So there's a lot more legwork here.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny because um, I'm now at a startup, but uh, I was at Zillow previous, previously, and it, it uh, was an interesting experience. I, I think it may have been the biggest company I'd worked for. And they're not, you know, insurance company big. They're, they're not that big. They're, I think, five or 6,000 people worldwide. And um, yeah, it's it's quite big, but it's you know a mature tech company versus like an insurance firm or something uh, that has offices all over. the The interesting thing, though, is that they were basically just graduating from being a startup. Like uh, that, the legacy culture of startup was sort of dissipating before my eyes as I, you know over the year I was there and um, that included like changes in focus it's funny because I was brought in for a job and like literally a week later that that whole project was was cancelled and I was able to like find some other really interesting work but um, that wasn't the only change there was quite a bit of change going on reorganization all kinds of things because they were going from that startup mentality to the more corporate mentality and the more, you know, introducing uh, what they call OKRs, the you know, objectives and key results form of, mm. of uh, you know, predicting what kind, you were, kind of work you were going to be working on over the next quarter or a few quarters. Um, and just regularizing things across the multiple companies that are owned within uh, within the Zillow group. I was hired by Trulia initially, right, and then transferred to Zillow um so yeah it's it was kind of a fascinating right in front of me um display of that change from like a little bit more loose startup culture to you know then like you know a bigger startup culture but a little bit harder to maintain to now like a much bigger company that's a public company obviously that um is you know got more of that need uh, need for clearance from people above you and need for uh, paperwork and approval for projects and coordination on projects. So it was a really interesting experience, and I benefited from it. And I was also glad to move on to a startup where I felt I like could uh, be a little bit more of a cowboy, as you said.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, that's one of the, that was one of the hard things for me because I have worked for a small firms for like ten years, and I've been able to. I don't want to say get away with bunch of stuff, but just like ramrod stuff, right? (laughs) I could get, I could easily get client buy-in. I needed to convince one person. They usually liked me.
1: Well, it's just fascinating, like the the amount of like uh, intersecting needs within a large organization that you have to manage, even just proposing what seems like a simple project all of a sudden requires a lot of coordination, you know?
0: Yeah, because everybody has to know what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. Within reason. And that's, and that's what, that's what this whole reframing thing came from. I had to reframe, I had to look five years out, not just two. I had to start lo- looking, okay, what does 25, 2025 look like? What does 2030 look yeah. like? Yeah. You know, will we be a hundred percent cloud based by that mm-hmm. time? We'll still be running this hybrid thing. Are we going to be going to GPUs and graph databases? What are we going to be doing? You know, and thinking out there, not just, Hey, here's some cool tech. Let's throw this into the mix and see what happens. You know, actually planning migrations, yeah. planning things, pushing that yeah. forward.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and probably fun, too, um, mentally and, you know, organizationally to uh, think that deep about your infrastructure and, and how to support it for the next decade plus.
0: Yeah, lots of meetings. Yeah. So. <laughs> lots lots of, meetings.
1: of meetings, yeah. So uh, what, what about, uh, how did your daughter Manage. Uh, How did she feel about uh, her new settings, her new surroundings, and then, uh, and how did you feel about having to work at home all of a sudden as both a parent and you know a key member of obviously lots of teams at a large organization?
0: Yeah. So what happened with me was the uh, Marit just took to remote learning like like a duck to water. She was um, the first year, the first three months, or or the last trimester, let's say, in her school last year. They really didn't have a plan because they're like, Everybody's at home, here's some documents, right? And so they would dump the documents in the morning so Mart would have her assignments by six thirty. Yeah. There were mornings where she got up at six thirty before I got up. <laughs> and at like my nine a.m., she was done with her day. Oh my god. Because she realized if I plow through this yeah. and I get this stuff done. I've got nine hours I can do whatever I want to do. What
1: a smart gal I mean jeez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now now it's more structured where she actually has classes. yeah. And that' gets, gets frustrating to her because when she gets stuff done she's like, what do I do for 20 minutes?
1: Yeah I know having to be uh, inclusive across a whole lot of different uh, learning levels and learning speeds in a situation where you can't really give individual uh, instructions. It's got to be so frustrating for everybody.
0: Yeah. She did do one thing though. Um, she didn't, she didn't like her math teacher at first. Oh, no. So she put three bird emojis, meaning the middle finger in the chat. Oh no. And she hit send. Oh no. And I was, <laughs> she came to me she's like, I, I don't know what happened. I hit the wrong emoji. I sent her one one bird. I sent her one middle finger. And I'm like, um, okay. So I got on the, the application the teachers gave us or the school district gave us. Text her teacher. I'm like, hey, Mart had an error. I guess she sent you a middle finger. She's like, she sent me three. <laughs> like, oh, that's not an error. <laughs> so I went to Mart. I'm like, that's what your teacher's saying. She goes, i like, okay, so what happened? Did you put it in there? And then you accidentally hit send, right? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well let's, let's do this a learning experience. You know those times when you say it was an accident, but you set yourself up beforehand for it to be a bad accident? And she's like, Yeah, I'm like, that's what this was. You'd set yourself up and you and you made an error and this is a result. If you're gonna do that, open the open the Google Doc and just complain about your teacher as much as you want in the Google Doc, but don't do anything in chat. Right. <laughs> Woo, yeah. I get the I get I get you don't like your teacher. I'm uh-huh. cool with that. Just don't do this. <laughs>
1: oh man! Well, I guess um, she learned there, and uh, everybody's okay. I feel bad for a teacher, and I feel bad for her as well. The Mer- merit is a mm-hmm. you know, sweetheart. She probably just um, got frustrated. You yeah, know, that's that's math for you. I, I remember getting mad at my math teacher once, <laughs> but I didn't, you know, have somewhere to publish it <laughs> where other people. Can <laughs>
0: If she, if she yeah. had friends if, if she had friends, I'd set them up to the Discord channel. <laughs> <laughs> that's the big thing because we weren't neither of us were really. Well, I have a couple of friends who live down the street from DC. That's why I ended up here. But you know, she wasn't here long enough to make friends, right? And I wasn't here long enough to make friends outside of like the people I already knew.
1: That's so tough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's been so you know our social lives. Not that they'd be anything happening anyway. Aren't that you know they're just us, and us in this apartment
1: yeah yeah well, I mean <laughs> for better or for worse I, I suppose uh it really wasn't gonna be much more exciting
0: <laughs> so how's San francisco been you guys get you guys have been getting some heavy lockdowns
1: um you know it's it's not really a heavy lockdown there's not like a police presence on the street or anything crazy. it's just boring because nothing's really open, you know and there's no uh, they had one benefit uh, to COVID this year, which was um, there was a whole lot of outdoor space reclaimed from parking and given to the restaurants, uh, and people took to it. And it was um, it felt safeish, and it felt um, fun, and it felt new. Um, having all these different like uh, restaurant uh, booths, parklets, they called them, outside of all the different restaurants and bars and stuff. Uh, it it felt like a little bit of normalcy. And so I guess losing that for another couple months or whatever, I guess it just got extended till the end of uh, January at least here. So, yeah, it, it's just boring. I mean, classically, you know, I got really good at making sourdough bread and, like, um, <laughs> <laughs> sourdough pizza dough. Um, what else did I do that was covered? I tried to take up, like, knitting that's really hard turns out so didn't 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 really make it far with the knitting i got got a lot of yarn though i could sell you uh, if you want um oh i did and this is uh kind of funny i did experiment with creating my own just add water um pancake mix
0: that's cool
1: yeah yeah so what i did was i bought like egg powder and milk powder and buttermilk powder and lemon juice powder and uh well just i feel like for a scump here but you know just about any kind of powder there is you can buy mix it all together and you got yourself like a you know it's pretty good um end of the world rations is what I was kind of thinking at the time. And then once I was like okay. realizing, well, that doesn't seem like the world's going to end. <laughs> We're just going to be bored as hell. I might as well mix some of these powders, <laughs> mix some of these powders together and uh, see what I can come up with. So I was making like some pretty good waffle mixes and I was, ma- Oh, the other thing I experimented with was making my own like microwavable cake so that I could like mix up, you know, flour and just the right mix of, baking powder and whatever and then you microwave a cake and like a minute later you've got a cake I'm close I'm still working on it nine months later (laughs) yeah but uh, yeah so (laughs) anyway I've been both like super bored and like super deep into um, these funny little hobbies and then obviously work which uh, has changed for me too Um, but that has been really fun there's been some great stuff there like it, it, i will get into that but uh, yeah t- just coping mechanisms um you know setting up like our home office right and like i gotta have a comfy space uh my roommate uh recommended like a really nice um laptop chair or right, what do you call it like a computer chair gaming chair That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, got a decent webcam eventually. And like, you know, we uh, had three people in this smaller house. We ended up, one of them moved out and it was kind of perfect because we were able to like feel like we had enough space if we're just going to be here uh, at this little tiny apartment in San Francisco. And we do have a roof deck, Mm -hmm. which helps too. (laughs) But we're just here mostly, you know, and like um, had to figure out like, how to not go crazy and make it funny, uh, and I think I've done all right. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm lucky because our apartment has like a quarter or half the front room has floor to ceiling uh, windows, so it's we get a lot we get a lot of natural light, and and we're and we're and we're right on the river, so we look out and see the river where it flo- the Merrimack, and it's like a half A-frame, so our, our ceilings are like 20 foot on one side, yeah. like 12 on the other. So as far as, like, being trapped somewhere, this has not felt like a prison.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah, it is a gorgeous place. Has, I assume it's been snowing recently.
0: Yeah, it's snowing right now, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah, All right? Set yourself up with a cocoa, liberally spiked. and uh, <laughs> yeah. S- sit, on the,
0: <laughs> yeah, sit on the balcony and watch ice flows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, but a lot of changes. Yeah, you moved from Colorado over there. Uh, you uh, took up this new role and you have a team of how many you're running? It
0: it fluxes. I have have two to three direct reports depending on the project Mm -hmm. and then they have dev teams under them.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get into it more, but um, any really cool new technologies that you've been touching on that you've been enjoying at this new role?
0: Um, I've been pushing for things, Mm -hmm. but again, it's a thing where every... Anything we push has to go through a bunch of a bunch of mm-hmm. different committees. Like, sure. talk to the architects, see where it impacts, see what impacts it'll have, and just kind of slowly work that out. Yep. Um,
1: well, <clears throat> so uh, as far as I me, I have become the uh, um, director of product engineering at Kinetic Eye, which is a startup uh, that we. I guess I was like advising late last year and then um right around my birthday uh this january uh, january 26th um s- somewhere in there i was like all right yeah i'm 40 and i want to take a chance you know on uh, on something zillow's been a great company but i feel like um uh it was this team of guys that i really like from from neo that I, I was there a couple years ago Really smart people and uh, I was enjoying advising them and it just seemed like you know the idea which is um, really interesting focus on using computer vision for risk uh, at workplaces it um, appealed to me it seemed like an intellectual challenge that was unique uh, really incredible use of technology a a combination of artificial intelligence computer vision Uh, and also the um, flows, uh, data pipelines for data science, Um, you know, the front end application, the APIs, all of it had to be created mostly, you know, from scratch. And uh, we had to build out a product to fit this vision that we're continuously refining. And that is just such a cool experience to finally do the full startup, uh, the whole San Francisco startup experience. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i was like the thing i like about working, working with startups or for startups is um, um it's like it's like sanding down something to make it you know you get a piece of wood and you sand it down to something exactly that what you want uh-huh. right yeah like you have these you have these eight technologies and you're trying to make this one thing do this thing and it's just like slowly working and so it works that way
1: yeah the, um it's not like michelangelo like they say that you know He could see exactly how david should look and he was just like flecking off dusts of marble as he carved it you know like it's not exactly like that it's more like um we recognize that you know there's a really good um chance that we can identify and help decrease fatalities and injuries at work and we're talking mostly about industrial workplaces and like uh factories and um delivery warehouses so that uh we can say like you know we see patterns and behavior that look sketchy that look like they will cause uh accidents down the road and we offer the ability to you know watch video on a mass scale like no human can do to identify those issues and then bring them to the safety managers that are in charge of it that just in no way have time to watch all the video that is recorded from all the cameras that exist at these uh, warehouses already so it's an interesting challenge and you know you're going to use a lot of python we're doing some really cool mapping of where risk is happening throughout your workplace so i'm happy there but it's also just a broader challenge to be able to design and think through a product that works for real people uh, and it helps real people daily. I'm loving that.
0: It's solving on the ground problems, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it feels, you know, like the self driving car experience working at NEO was amazing because there's going to be self driving cars on some level. It's just continuously refined, especially throughout this decade and beyond. But it did feel like it was going to be a decade before they were truly, you know, what they call level four, level five autonomous driving cars. It felt so big when I was there and the amount of data needed to be collected and processed. And the uh, training that had to happen on the AI was just so intensive. Whereas if you have a confined space, uh, whether it's, you know, golf courses or like, I know there's been some interesting autonomous cars for uh, campuses mm-hmm. and senior centers and stuff where they're all mapped out that have, um, consistent you know um objects that they may encounter so that they're just like able to build on what what does work now with ai and computer vision to allow autonomous to work well we feel like we can use some of that same computer vision to uh, identify other um aspects of you know life uh of work life like ergonomics uh potential, you know, near misses, um, where risky behavior is happening. It's a really interesting challenge. uh, Because we're, you know, I'm mostly, uh, I'm working with designers, I'm working with the programmers, uh, I'm working with the computer vision team, to not only identify risk, but also try to visually communicate on top of video, what risk looks like and um for a while there i was kind of struggling with it i was thinking like you know is this so far away from geospatial is this so far away from uh, what i've been doing for the last 10 15 years and is that too far away like and i realized it's not what you're really doing um when you're overlaying uh infographics on top of video or you're creating charts um that overlay you're using the video as a map you know the imagery itself is information that you're able to um, show a different level of interaction with and overlay like what the computer vision has seen and recognized and therefore what your eye can't see but the computer can can be shown to you finally like x-risk vision you know (laughs) That's just really cool. Yeah,
0: because yeah, all I deal with is risk, right? Insurance is all about predicting right? risks. And you have to reframe IC geospatial, you know? Is this building yeah. in a flood zone? Is this building near a flood zone? Is this building in an area where hurricanes are likely to occur? Is this building on soil that will liquefy during an earthquake? Is this, yeah. is, is this soil near, or is this building near something else? Or it, what's the building made of? What well, are the materials? How is it going to survive these things? And, you know, terrorist modeling, you know, because that, that was roughly like a 600-pound bomb. We have the models for all that stuff, you know, understanding the first wow. floor, understanding if a bomb goes off on the 35th floor, what's the damage that going to cause that building? And we have another company that has an understanding of what's inside that building because they inspect every bil- every commercial building in the U.S.
1: I mean, poor Nashville. No, I really mean it. It's just a shame what happened there. Like um, I really wish to... You know, I, I feel for them because it's just going to be a while. Uh, insurance claims get in, whatever, like you're saying. Yeah, and,
0: and, and that's just yeah. an insurance risk, though, right? Because that's an entire yeah. town. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's an area of Nashville I'm pretty familiar with because I used to go there a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's there's a lot of really great restaurants and stuff down there that won't be open. I mean, even with COVID, you know, they weren't open to
1: begin with. Yeah.
0: But they're, now they have to rebuild their facility during a time when they don't have an income.
1: Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one after the other. yeah, huge hits after huge hits yeah
0: yeah let's hope, yeah let's hope this year's better although years are constructs.
1: I know yeah I, I have a hard time buying into the All right, say goodbye to 2020. we're done with that. Mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that we can't hope. I do like to think that there's something nice about um, mentally accepting that starting at one actually feels like the beginning again mm-hmm. you know January 1st. OK, you know, Janice, the god of doorways, <laughs> has gone through another doorway, right? Into, uh, well, an in, in interesting and hopefully optimistic uh, um, little bit of time here. <laughs> Things are still crazy, but it, it does feel um, optimistic to me.
0: So talking about years, what, what, are, what are like the trends you see with geospatial from 2020 that could possibly go into 2021?
1: Um. Well, if I'm being honest, I just see the same stuff, you know. Like if I'm talking about like the discourse around geospatial, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like yada yada yada. Our right. shape files annoying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, let's talk about it again. <laughs> you know, like all right, Arc Pro came out okay it's you know it's buggy too. Um, some people like it some people will never move on all right but it's just doing the same stuff uh, you know what i like to think is exciting is like um, more non-traditional use of gis um and more uh, like higher level big data platforms for gis like uh increasing regularity of it for instance i just noticed the other day that GeoSpark, which uh i used a lot um uh, over the last year has been promoted to a project in apache it's sedona uh, apache sedona now nice it's Called
0: so it's sustainable
1: and um it's um it seemed like a really good tool from the get-go but that offers a level of security that it will be maintained yes exactly And that's really cool, like creating Spark uh, pipelines to process geospatial data is really fast, you know, with uh, like we were doing EMR clusters, uh, AWS uh, um, managed cloud cluster computers. And that seemed like um, a super fast way to process a lot of address data. We were dealing with fixing all kinds of issues and whatnot um when you have like 40 to 250 million things to deal with right Mm -hmm. like if you have a whole bunch of data you have to flow through a data update uh it was an amazing tool so that was exciting I don't think it's it's it is new-ish I don't think it's new new but it's it's still you know I I did just notice that it's been promoted to a full project in Mm -hmm. Apache so I guess that is news that we can reflect on and and get excited about because things are happening as I've maintained since I think 2018, basically since we started the podcast, what's really happening is like a refining and a splintering of geospatial technologies in specific realms. There's really cool web stuff. There's really cool big data stuff. There's really cool, you know, combo AI geospatial, hell, uh, computer vision geospatial Mm -hmm. that's happening. But it's all very specific. It's not like big general packages. And it might even be mutually unintelligible as far as like um, concepts soon enough, you know? Like uh, the pipeline, the big data pipelines and how those are are flowing and how those work. It's like completely different thing than building a web
0: map, you know? Yes, (laughs) it is. And then having that big data pipeline feed into a web map as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah, exactly. it's like, yeah, I'm gonna hook, th- I'm gonna hook this massive hose up to this little sprinkler. <laughs> Let's yep. see what happens with this.
1: <laughs> so, um, but the discourse isn't there. Like, I think the, you know, majority of our readers are mostly just um, doing more specific tasks or generalized um, GIS tasks. But i i don't think that that means that they shouldn't be exposed to these ideas i think they actually should um but i just want the discourse to move uh more and i guess maybe I, that means it's on me i need to go to more gis chats. but like um yeah i don't feel like the discourse has changed at all the attitudes are exactly the same within um gis itself but geospatial tech is going all over the place. It's everywhere. yeah,
0: because just it's it is everywhere, and it's in, yeah. it's becoming. It's, so it, it, someone was talking about I don't know, I forget where what, what the platform was, but someone asked me what verticals GIS is in. I'm like, the better question would be what what isn't it in? You know, where <laughs> isn't it GIS? It's in construction. Yeah. It's in auto manufacturing. Yeah. It's in it's yeah. it's everywhere. There's nothing, yeah, tender. <laughs> it's in dating. <laughs> And there's, yeah. and there's, and you know, and these these people, you know, it's an Esri tech, it's an open source tech, it's all this different stuff, yeah. right? And yeah. but you have these people who are just so heads down with their ArcGIS, I'm going to make a fucking map, you know? Yeah. It's like, we're so yeah. past maps. Adam Coro, was it, uh, Spatial Ace has talked about this. I've been yammering about this for like since like 2015. Yeah. But now yeah. Esri's finally talking about, yeah, we have to think of ourselves not as people yeah. who make maps. It's like, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're a little bit past what, the whole, like, yeah, what do I want to label this, you know? I
1: don't know, yeah. The, the data is the map. The map is uh, ever, you know, scalable. Uh, the, the map is ever zoomable. There's all kinds of different levels you have to think about. Yeah, it is funny because uh, my my roommate and good friend, uh, the, <clears throat> I've, uh, I met uh, when I was an environmental consultant, and um, he is, was a GIS guy as well. Uh, we got to be buddies, and then later we got to be roommates. It was uh, very for- fortunate. We actually found an affordable apartment mm-hmm. <laughs> in San Francisco. Um, he still works for the environmental consulting firm that I, I used to work for, and so like I get to hear the discussions um, that he has. Or you know, it's just the same stuff around GIS and like logging in over cloud and having like the GIS overwhelm the cloud server or whatever. Like that's probably, it's not GIS is fault there. you know, ArcGIS is fault or anything. That's just uh, the infrastructure probably of that particular company, but <laughs> it's, um, it's just the same thing. It, it just doesn't change. Like it's just, they're still making maps. So I get it. You know, there's definitely a contingent of people who are, just making a ton of maps like and that's the thing for me um there's a reason that i'm not that company anymore there's a reason like i just continued to push on uh and and grow because i see i don't know it's more about the questions i want to ask from data Mm -hmm. and and then how and the challenge of how to visually explain that to human beings you know on just such a vast scale like how do i explain what is happening and where it's happening and why it's happening in as simple a format as possible
0: yeah asking the question asking the data to tell you a story yeah and then having it tell you that story and then asking it tell you a different story by changing one or two parameters right
1: yeah like the mixing in you know some pandas and doing a lot of data science um is a super important part i think of geospatial these days geopandas is a little finicky i know uh but it's pretty cool but even pandas itself just like the python module pandas has so many different tools for manipulating data that makes Excel look kind of boring (laughs) or slow. You know what I mean? uh,
0: Hasn't been boring or or slow though.
1: Yeah. 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 But I mean, like, um, even to, for just simple tasks, I guess, like I always just think like Excel, all right, whatever you can do in that. Now pandas is so much easier. So yeah, like uh, that is exciting to me, I guess seeing, uh, The leaking of geo into data science is super cool, right? Like, um, and then the refinement there, just continuous, continuing to be more um, uh, powerful. I don't know. I think that is, yeah, that's gotten me really excited over the last uh, few years. Yeah, what there's, about you?
0: A, there's a conference I used to go to back when we went to conferences. Called uh, ODSC, <laughs> uh, Open the Open Data Science yeah. Conference, and the first time I went, yeah, um, I was like, "This is the best geospatial conference I've ever been to," and no one here's no one, no one <laughs> calls themselves a GIS person here, right? Because here they're do these frowny things, all these. This one guy had to, he took a map, he took all the data for for Pennsylvania, all the uh, utility data, and determined when things would break down on a, based on other, based on the history of breaking of things damaging and being breaking down. Just like, shove yeah. that into a machine learning algo. Like, oh, wow, well, these people really have this. This is really where it's at, right? I know, right?
1: Yeah, and that's that's what I feel like now. Like, the future is that combination of geospatial AI and computer vision and data science in a way that um, is seamless. Like, geo is just a part of it, but it is such an important part of it. It is, um, and the map is. The data produced the map is the story produced the map is the graphic um the you know the map is whatever you're trying to do with that data and then ha- however you can communicate to your client or to you to your audience right it doesn't have to be a map like <laughs> a, a, a physical map it really will end up being a lot of different ways to utilize Geospatial data that will speak to the soul of you know the person that you're talking to uh, that might be just a little bit more interesting than just a paper mm-hmm. map,
0: or just to answer that question. Right. One one of the things that we're struggling with at work right now well, I wouldn't say struggling, we're investigating is uh, the use of yeah. AI and real time and real time events. Uh-huh. And we've been you know and hurricanes and tropical cyclones are. I don't want to say they're easy, but they're easy to predict, right? This one's coming this way, we do yeah. we know the sea temperature. Here's the models, it's gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Um, the one we've been struggling with is wildfire. Because that's that's really new for the insurance industry to be something more than a billion dollar event. And I found this company up in Canada, uh, Will Codwell turned me on to him, called Tonka. Mm-hmm. And they detect wildfires within fifteen they they can they what they can detect wildfires. they're, they're application text wildfires within minutes of, of someone calling it in, right? By using satellites and their and their artificial intelligence, machine learning, computer vision application, they're usually within nine minutes. They've been way ahead a few times, mostly at night, but they use this uh, and so, and they have updates every minute to 15 minutes of wildfire. And that just blows me away. Right? That's yeah, Cal Fire, Cal Fire started using this yeah. year. But yeah there there that's that, that's the in my world that's what the big use for AI then there's a bunch of uses for insurance and AI and insurance but as far as like as far as like yeah. you know cuz catastrophic modeling it's all about where is this going how many more models can we run on this what's causing this uh-huh. what the, what data sets aren't we looking at that the AI is looking at right and that's what it comes down to for us and
1: you're using it you're using it very differently than the firefighters themselves. You're trying to understand where it could go and they're trying to understand how to control Mm -hmm. it. But still it's amazing that a it could feed both needs and it, and it's like, you know, if you're talking to space, you're saying, Hey, (laughs) please tell me what's going on over there. And it it can actually um, make some decent guesses because it's, it's, you know, it's not perfect. I'm Mm -hmm. sure, but it's making some decent guesses as to what it's seeing. Yeah. I I just like, I I I think especially after seeing like what Descartes Labs Mm. is doing for a while there, you're so impressed with like, you know, the combination of AI and satellite imagery because it is so hard to glean information from just like, just color and then the combo of color for the naked eye, you know, and there's so much data that is collected that like it has to be um, involve AI really. There's, There's just no way around it if you're gonna really get some deep insights. And those deep insights are waiting to be written too. They, you know, very much uh, an open um, field right now. There's lots of, I think, uh, uh, need for more thought around that, really. And there's probably some interesting startups that we don't even know about that are tackling that. Yeah. So I,
0: I think the big the big jump for me in 2020 for geospatial was endless ready data. How we got to that point whether it's using AI or whatnot, because just using just using the COVID-19 stuff as an example, the John Hopkins dashboard, mm-hmm. right? Or the John Hopkins data yeah. feed. Everyone was using that because that was already clean, analyst-ready data. And AI may have assisted that or not, but like AI-assisted analyst-ready data kind of dovetailing back into your Descartes Labs and creating yeah. it. So if my scientists need this data, they don't have to spend three days munging it, right? And making it ready, ready <laughs> to go. It's just, here's the data. It's clean. It's yeah. good to go. Here's your analyst-ready data, yeah. right? And that's and I think I think that's where we're. That's the one thing about the whole COVID event that really got me it was like we're starting to get people who understand that, that they don't want to clean the data when it comes in.
1: There was a fascinating proliferation of of dashboards this year, and you got to give up you know a lot of credit to uh, Esri for opening up um, a lot of avenues to build those, and and um, The Johns Hopkins ones was like a focus of so many stories, so much um, of our year that it became kind of, you know, normal almost. which is crazy. And then also the other, you know, huge story in geospatial and dashboards, which was, uh, you know, uh, at GeoRebecca on Twitter, uh, Rebecca Jones from Florida, who uh, was a data scientist for the Florida government, uh, state government, and was... uh, more or less fired for uh, refusing to manipulate data uh, and then later had her house raided because she was uh, continuously she's become sort of a gadfly <laughs> which is I, I really appreciate on Twitter she's like really focusing on the true numbers that as she sees it in the data uh, as, as she sees it coming out of yeah, um, about COVID deaths and COVID infections throughout schools and also just uh florida in general mm-hmm. it's been pretty impressive yeah, well, so ju- that
0: was an amazing it just story. shows you the power of data right that the Santos yeah. is so scared of her and so and so scared yeah. of her having access for you know whatever yeah. security protocol they didn't follow by not updating a group password it's 2020 <laughs> password but you know she has she had access to this stuff mm-hmm. so like oh she's hacking in like mm-hmm. not really um yes yeah was she trespassed was there was a computer trespass yes but it was it wasn't it wasn't like
1: total power, yeah. total power it, it wasn't total it was like
0: she had to crack some
1: encryption. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: <laughs> well, so like that, you know. I think a few years ago there was a discussion like, you know, this is the year of dashboards or whatever. And in some ways, 2020, uh, <laughs> 2020 was. Um, was the year of dashboards being very mainstream, very normal. And I think what that really means is that like dashboards as a web concept, as like a um, normal part of Salesforce or normal part of your workday is, is true. It's here to stay. Like dashboards are normal. We are used to them. And in some ways they kind of bore me because it's just like, everybody's trying to do the same thing. But that one was super powerful. I thought, um, because, it wasn't about the dashboard. It was about the data itself. It was about the data that it represented. Yeah, you know?
0: but it gave one woman the ability to get to aggregate all that data and put it into a into a single place where people could easily understand it. Right. Yeah. And that's and, and that's really yeah. you know, that's really the key for the you know for the yes dashboards is you can throw them together in a matter of hours and it only takes one person to manage it.
1: Agreed. Um, so, like, we built a super powerful one for the Super Bowl. Based on Esri technology that had lots of different feeds. You know, we had the 911 feed, we had uh, cop locations from an, an iPhone app that we built, and um, it was a lot to manage, but they made it super simple uh, to integrate all the different feeds. I, I did appreciate that. Once you had an ELA and you had all the tools, being able to integrate all these different feeds within ArcGIS Online was nice. And it was, um, It was, you know, really easy to uh, share the data to a whole bunch of different senior commanders and whatnot for the the response operation there. So, yeah, I I give them props for that. Like, at its core, I do think that, like, Arc server is a great product because you can just make a map and then publish it. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's all about that publishing because as soon as you publish it, you know, the data is shared. It's about the data, right? And you can, like, put it on... Um, ArcGIS Online, and it will look like it did in your ArcMap, which is a certain type of magic. You got to admit, mm-hmm. there's something to that. It, you know, there's so much division between um, the data and the presentation within web stuff that it's like it's kind of exhausting.
0: You know, I understand. <laughs> is yeah. Why isn't this exactly the color it is? Because it's a web color, and I can't. It, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's generating yeah. a PNG. What expects? You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah but even uh, our dashboard is a uh, is an arcgis online dashboard for uh for the for covid, yeah, really, for COVID. our, our yeah. numbers are our, yeah, yeah, our right. numbers are way higher than everybody else's but we also we also code for uh our, our models code for um under reporting as well as government cover-up
1: yeah more like excessive yeah. deaths kind of reporting mm-hmm.
0: yeah so we've uh, yeah as yeah, we've been I mean. running i think I want to say right now it's like 500,000 deaths in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I, I believe you shared that with me a while ago. That was sobering to see. Yeah. It's been a hell of a year. <laughs> um, I'm glad that we're, that we're both, like, you know, nicely interested in work. We've got some um, uh, cool stuff that we're doing. Like, we're, we're, we're super lucky, I have to say. We're, we're super lucky, uh, and I, I, I really feel for um, – just you know, the whole world uh having to go through such an uh, just I mean, amazing and just more like the awe-inspiring kind of mm-hmm. year. <laughs> it's an amazing year that really challenged uh, every society, and it, ours showed some cracks. Yes, you know, it was it was quite a quite exhausting to see how many seams we have that are kind of fraying. Uh,
0: uh, I've been saying a lot on Facebook that we have to stop saying avoid it like the plague because we obviously don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. it's like that's funny but it's not oh yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's been an interesting adventure like most of my you know social life is work <laughs> I'm glad I like the, the small team I'm working with um it it is a challenge to uh uh you know not get to be civic to to walk around and enjoy restaurants and enjoy going out um to uh we do get a, I did a nice walk this afternoon uh there's people out there's parks being used so things are going fine i think mostly but it's just a struggle i think for uh mental health for um economic health and you know for real health i i'm really hoping that the god that Somebody gets it back together as far as this vaccine program, program, and that we can all just tough down for another seven months or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and <laughs> just... maybe produce some interesting work out of it. And then, or maybe you, you know, I, I I saw a great comment the other day where somebody said, like, I really do need, you know, I I just found out that all my hobbies were going out to eat and spending money. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that anymore. All my hobbies were going out to eat, and yeah, to bars. <laughs> yeah exactly um but i don't want to like you know force people to uh, adopt a hobby you know there's a life-changing event but it does really help in something like this to just be kind of have a sense of humor and uh be inquisitive and try to learn some new stuff and find some new subreddit on reddit where you can like laugh about you know this crazy uh yeah, this I laugh about anything, but the rest of
0: uh, reality. <laughs> One of the things I find I, I've been liking to do since I don't know, I think I started doing this in May, was uh, going to scholar.google.com and just typing in geospatial uh-huh. and limiting it to like yeah. 2020, and then, look, and then, ah, and then just cool. looking for articles that. that might be interesting to read. You know, see what the, see what yeah. the actual academics are doing with this stuff.
1: Maybe we, should, uh, maybe we should talk to one of them. That sounds kind of fun. Maybe we should talk to an academic. Maybe.
0: I can grab somebody. I can always grab you know? somebody.
1: All right. So, yeah. Well. Um,
0: cool, So This has been fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good episode, right? I think we, uh, we introduced ourselves and um, our lives and also why we care about <laughs> geospatial. Yeah why we're bored with geospatial but also love geospatial but also hate geospatial it's not that we're bored
0: with geospatial it's we're bored with gis
1: yeah yeah i mean we just want um everybody to keep you know leveling up your shit <laughs>
0: level up yeah <laughs> i did make that my ringtone <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we want people to continue to thrive um, well, that's what it is but uh, mostly we mostly we hope that uh, you know. Yeah, you enjoy your job. That you're um you're healthy, and that um you have some interesting, funny stories to take out of your quiet quarantine, <laughs> twenty <2020. laughs> twenty.
0: The, the great sleep, as some like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on that note, this has been Todd Barr.
1: This has been Silas Tom's.
0: This has been the mappiest Hour.